What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today is a special episode because um, interviewing Mike McMahon, who is an L.A. PD. He's a police officer. Um, I asked him to come on to the podcast to talk about what's going on with mandates here in the United States. And if you're following the story, uh, you'll know that California is probably the front line of the mandate battle. Um, it's it seems like it's um, just a, a tidal wave of things going on over there. I can't even keep up. So I wanted to have Mike to come on to the show to tell us what's going on. And uh, he's one of the co-founders of Roll Call for Freedom. And uh, I did an interview with Firefighters for Freedom, which are L.A. firefighters. I did that podcast uh, not too long ago, and you guys could check that one out as well. So I thought that this would be a good way to hear from another set of first responders. You know, um, I think everybody has more empathy for firemen and not so much for police, whatever. I mean, police are important. I'm a fireman. I appreciate that I can pick up the phone and call a policeman and come to my house and protect me because I don't do that. I do fires. So we have to appreciate our police officers. Mike, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Fred. So uh, tell us how you got started with Roll Call for Freedom and uh, what your intentions are. Sure. Uh, So I just celebrated my 14-year anniversary of being an LAPD officer this past March. Um, so Roll Call for Freedom started with three other, uh, two other officers and, and one of their wives. Uh, we all got together after the LA, uh, the, the LA City Council came down and they passed an ordinance uh, with regards to uh, all, all LA City employees shall be uh, vaccinated. And when that came down, you know, we had been anticipating something like that and Myself, I was kind of I was kind of um, vocal within the department because I was against masking initially. Um, you know, I was a follower of the Great Barrington Declaration, and I knew the science behind the 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 ordinance that was coming down was just total garbage. So three of us got together and we decided to um, to create Roll Call for Freedom, and what it was primarily is that those of us that that got together we were we saw this as something that was much more than just simply um freedom of religion under title seven you know we saw this as a, as extreme governmental overreach and the unconstitutionality of these mandates on their face value itself was so against the constitution that we decided to to create roll call for freedom as an outlet for uh, other officers to say, hey, you know what, I don't agree with that either. And I'm going to come and join your your coalition. Uh, so, you know, a lot of our group felt the same way that we did. Um, I myself refused to do a religious exemption uh, because I will not beg my employer to continue to work uh, under their conditions. Right. So, that's kind of where we started off because I won't mask and I won't, and I won't test either. And the LAPD was, uh, or the LA city was demanding that we do eight tests per month out of our own pocket. And so, you know, fast forward, we, we get things rolling. You know, we have this gigantic, um, we have this gigantic rally in downtown LA. 
seven, 8,000 people there. You know, it was really good time. I was honored to speak at it. And uh, just that uh, several days prior, I was officially relieved of duty from the LAPD. I was uh, ordered to turn in my gun and my badge and I had all my police powers uh, suspended. So since that day, I haven't worked since November 3rd. Um, it's been all unpaid suspension and I'm going through a, uh, a tribunal as it were uh, within the LAPD. They're prosecuting me for failing to abide by a chief's order which is the first time anyone's ever been brought up on charges in department history for that. So since then, that started uh, December 6th and it's been still ongoing. I don't go back again until April 25th. Um, you know, there's been several officers that their tribunals haven't gone uh, as long, but right now I'm, I'm the longest uh, running tribunal that we have going on in the department. And, you know, sadly, um, there's only a handful of us that have gone to that extreme. So um, I think there's about eight of us total out of 10,000 um, that have said, you know, we've really stood our ground and, you know, drawn the line on the sand. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much where we are, you know, and I think, and I'm grateful for you uh, seeing the video uh, that was taken down at San Diego um, at uh, an event called the freedom revival. And here we are, you know, yeah, that's that's amazing. So out of 10,000 police, there's basically eight of you is what you're saying that have really, uh, you know, stood your ground, but you're you're being just openly punished for it. Yeah, the uh, the department has sort of come after me. Um, my what I've learned in my tribunal is that not only have my first amendment rights been really trampled on, but my fourth and 14th amendments have been just you know, gone uh, within within the department. Um, you know, the entire investigation that's prosecuting me. There was never any. There was never any interviews conducted uh, with regards to the investigation. Um, the department had told uh, our captains not to speak to us with regards to the vaccines. Uh, so you know, and that was one of the sticking points for me. Is that you know, how can I provide informed consent if the department's not willing to talk to us about it? And that's why I said no. You know, I mean, what I've always said is, if you think about it, how do you how do you dispel fear in your life, right? The, you know, two years ago, March 2020, when when this thing hit, you know, hit the shores, everybody was panicking because we saw videos coming out of China where people were vomiting blood and they were falling over on their faces, and you know, I mean, it was it was true fear propaganda. And so I started to investigate. I started to look into the science that was coming out from, you know, Dr. Luke Montagnier, David Martin, Judy Mikovits, you know, the, the big name doctors that have since then been, you know, silenced. But there was still some information that people were putting out there. So I educated myself on this and the fear dissipated. And so I, I just pushed on and I started educating as many people as I could. Uh, but myself, I just, I stood my ground. I knew what was happening. I knew where this was going and uh, I just stood my ground and I just kept fighting. Yeah. And bravo to you for doing that. I mean, like you said, there's not many of you who are actually standing your ground and you're not doing this just for yourselves. You're doing this for all your brothers and sisters on the line and you're doing this for the future generations. You know, one thing that um, that 
scares me about mandates is that, you know, first of all, I feel like we're being conditioned as a society to accept mandates. Right. And if we do accept them, we're just showing them that we're willing to be pushed around to some degree or another. Uh, you know, there's contracts, legal contracts that we follow. There's there's laws. There's the Constitution and mandates are just a cheap way to undermine all of that. And if people don't think that that's a problem, well, maybe it's just a mandate for a little measly vaccine right now. But once you said that, say again, can't even call it a vaccine. True. A therapeutic, maybe. Right. Um, But once you once you accept that, they got their foot in the door with mandates and they'll see, oh, so anytime we want our employees, our people to comply with us, all we need is a little bit of an emergency. And all we have to do is issue a mandate and that will push away any other uh, legal presence that we have and they'll get to do whatever they want. And this is what I want to tell and explain to my guys that I work with, that we don't want to let mandates start coming in because our contract won't matter anymore, right? They'll, they'll find a way to use these mandates again and again and again. But now uh, on your Instagram, uh, I want to direct everybody's attention. It's roll at roll call for freedom. Follow that, but also follow at roll call for freedom 2.0, the backup, and go to the link tree and look through the the links that are in that link tree up in the bio. There's a ton of information in there. And Mike, I like what you guys put in there. You put the VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. Not a lot of people even know what that is. And if they do know, one thing that they'll say is, ah, oh, that's some bogus self-reporting thing. And what I always tell people is, well, it's all we got. There's no other reporting thing. It's the only thing that's out there that's showing that these vaccines may be hurting a lot of people. And why is, why is it that we can't pause? So why did you put the VAERS up there? Is there, is there any other reason besides what I said? And, and how significant do you think it is? Uh, well, <clears throat> the, the reason why I put the VAERS system up there is because you're absolutely right. That is the self-reporting American system, you know, I think also on my link tree, I still have the World Health Organization's DigiAccess, which at the time that I put it on there had somewhere upwards of 2 million adverse effects worldwide. And that was probably six or seven months ago that I put that up there. But, you know, one of my personal heroes in this fight is is an attorney out of Ohio named Thomas Renz. Yes. Who's, uh, you know, he's a fantastic human being. He actually helped our organization find uh, one of our attorneys. Um, So, you know, I kind of, I I had the opportunity, the humbling experience of befriending Thomas Renz. But he really came, he, he really came out to me because he had filed a complaint against the uh, Department of Health and Human Services on behalf of America's frontline doctors uh, last July, I believe it was. But within his lawsuit, he had a whistleblower complaint from a woman who was working for the VAERS system. And one of the things that I found most astounding, Fred, was that she reported or she testified or attested to the fact that only that between one, only, only between one and 5% of all adverse effects in the United States are being reported. So yes. if you if you go back and you extrapolate, you know, right now it's probably sitting at uh, about twenty five thousand 
uh, deaths alone, you, you multiply that by five. Yeah. You know, it, that's the true number. And that's astounding to me. And that's what I always tell people, look at the VAERS system and know that only 1% is being reported. Yeah. So the fact that these, that these experimental mRNA uh, shots have not been called back for that many deaths, and then you have all the ones mixed in that you know, may have died within the 14-day window where they won't report it as a vaccine death. Yep. You know, what does that look, what does that number look like? Right. So we're looking at upwards of probably closer to 200,000 deaths in the United States, but yet the FDA and the CDC and the NIH have not pulled these shots back at all. You know, I think the last great recall of vaccines, I want to say was uh, maybe H1N1 or, or something like that uh, back in the 80s. And they had 25 deaths and yes. they pulled like that. On the VAERS yeah. report, 25 deaths. They yeah. used the VAERS report and they said, oh, that's not a good sign. Right. Let's pull it. And now if you if you get into a debate with somebody over what VAERS is, it always goes to it's just some cockamamie self-reporting thing. Anybody could get on there and anybody could put anything. But that's not true. Like you just said, only maybe five percent. And the reason why it's underreported is because it's not easy to access. It's not easy to navigate through and it's not easy to file a report. It takes approximately 30 minutes to file a report. And we know people in America don't have 30 minutes to do such a thing. Um, most of the people that are doing the reporting are in the medical field. Yeah. And they're usually the nurses doing it. The doctor's not going to do it because he's got seven minutes per patient and he has to slam through and he gives it to a nurse and God forbid she doesn't check every box to do everything. It doesn't get reported. It's maybe possibly even meant to be difficult to do a report. So anybody who is willing on putting in that effort and energy to report something, I think it should be taken seriously, especially when we don't have anything else to go by. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and um, so, you know, with roll call, we've really tried to bring that to the forefront that, you know, um, critical thinking, critical thinking, especially critical thinking police officers in, in my position, we're sort of going the way of the, uh, of the dinosaurs of the dodo, you know, yeah. it's, they, they want us gone. And there's a, there's a, um, an, a real effort to federalize the United States police force. Tell me more about that. Well, I, I mean, that's what that's, if you hear it, I think, you know, people like Ariana Presley and Karen Bass, who's actually running for the Los Angeles city mayor right now, you know, they want to federalize the United States police every agency, they want them to fall under federal jurisdiction, much like the FBI and the CIA, and um, so that they can have sort of a tighter rein on us. And then they they get to create and dictate policy out to the rest of America. And, you know, I think this is what's happening now, Fred, is sort of the, it's the last nail in the coffin of the defund movement, uh, of defunding police, when you're forcing us to, 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 choose between continuing our employment uh, with, you know, an experimental mRNA um, shot or being fired. You know, I mean, that's a hell of a coercive tactic for for you to do. And that's what's going on with us, too. It's, you know, these shots and now are conditioned 
a condition of our employment as 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 city workers within that Los Angeles. And I, it, you know, it just it blows my mind that that's even considered in, in this time and day. But again, it, you know, I think it gets it gets down to the whole agenda 2030 and the Klaus Schwab WEF stuff yeah. where you own nothing and like it within the next, you know, eight years. So, you know, my hat's off to the people across the country who are still standing firm and standing strong. You know, right now in L.A., we're we're looking at, you know, incredible, incredible layoffs are coming, I think, um, because the the religious exemption people are now about they're, they're about to be reviewed. They're going through the civilian religious exemptions already. And then, then I understand they're going to move over to the firefighters and then save the police for last. Now, right now, last I heard, there's about 2,500 LAPD officers who are holding out for, uh, you know, in using the religious exemption. And again, I applaud them for what they do. You know, everybody, everybody has a choice to make in their lives. And if that's the choice that you make, I applaud it. The big thing with Roll Call for Freedom is that we want the ability to still choose. We're not anti-vaccine at all. We're just anti-mandate. You know, I want to control the sovereignty of my own body and uh, for the government to step in and tell me that I need to do something. Wow. That's not what liberty is. That's not what the framers of the Constitution intended for us. And that's not the reason we went to war, you know, for our own independence. I'm always I always hearken back to to when this when this country started. You know, I think Joe Rogan had this great tangent about 245 years ago, you know, America was the greatest experiment in self-governance. And I agree with that. You know, I was born and raised in Boston. You know, I moved out here in 2008, but one of the greatest, one of the greatest, uh, you know, things in Boston, it's funny. I I talked, I talked at this event last night and and out here we have this place called the Pineapple Hill Saloon, which is up in North Hollywood. And the woman who owns that uh, that establishment got really famous on the internet because during the height of the pandemic, you know, uh, LA city mayor, Eric Garcetti and, and Gavin Newsom, they closed down businesses. You're not essential is what they basically told everybody. And, you know, in my opinion is if you have bills to pay, if you have mortgages that are still due, you're essential. Everyone who has a job is essential, right? Yeah. But they forced her to close her business and then they had the balls to set up a movie um, uh, catering tent in her parking lot that had hundreds of movie extras and all this other stuff, you know, and there's, there's the heartbreaking video of her filming it and just crying in the background. But now Patriots in California, especially in this, in the Los Angeles area, we're using her bar as sort of like the revolutionary act, because I mean, if you remember your history, the revolution, the rebellion was planned inside of bars. And yeah. that's, that's why I, that's what I equated her to last night. It's like, it's like the green dragon bar in Boston where the Boston tea party was, was, was formulated. And so it's, you know, we have this, this sort of really good solid core of Patriots who are stepping up and it's, it's really, it's great to see, you know, and that's all the way down from San Diego has this incredible Patriot system in LA, we have a lot of great people up here too, but you know, where I think we're at the point where the government and, and people, the cognitive dissonance is so deep, you know, 
And the fear propaganda is so heavy. You've got this stupid rolling tickers going across CNN. And, oh, you need to see the death tolls are just counting up, which is total propaganda in and of itself, because it takes it takes something like three weeks to report a death, you know. And, you know, I remember like talking to uh, like I think it was Pierre Corey was telling me he's like, where do they get this? Where do they get these numbers? You know, but I don't know. I, I, I just went on a rant. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. Now, you just said you, you spoke with Peter Corey, P, uh, Pierre Corey. Yeah. Uh, you talked I've about incredible. I've had the incredible honor of meeting and speaking with a lot of the the, 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 the huge influences in this. And it's um, it's did really, you, really cool. Did you meet them at that uh, Freedom Festival or did they call you? Like, how did how did you get in their wheelhouse that you were able to speak with them? Uh, a lot of them I reached out when we were um, when we were trying to file our lawsuit because you know uh, getting declarations from them uh, with regards to our 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 pending law. Well, actually, we just filed our lawsuit, but getting declarations from them was important. Uh, very early on, um, I was on the uh, Corona Council, uh, which was Dr. Reiner Fulmike, and he's a he's a, a doctor. Well. He's a lawyer out of Germany, but uh, he just made a, a bigger name for himself uh, more recently by putting on uh, what was called the grand jury. Uh, Nuremberg 2.0. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Reiner Fulmike uh, had me, I had the incredible honor of going on to his, his, his show and it just, everything else just sort of fell into place from there. Um, you know, I, I had dinner with him and I had, um, it was just a really good time. So he's, he's connected me with a lot of people. You know, I had a great conversation with Judy Mikovits not too long ago. Um, and it's just really like never in my life did I picture that I would be here doing this. Yeah. Talking to those people, you know, I'm a civil servant. I'm not a, I'm not an, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, a doctor. Right. It, it's, it's incredibly humbling, you know, and I'm God, I, I, I can't thank, whomever enough that uh that these things have happened in my life mike this is this is an amazing that's why i asked like how did you even talk to these people these these individuals anybody listening if you don't know who we're talking about you know we're talking about big time names big, these are big time doctors lawyers scientists all from around the world uh these are people that are have proven track records okay so to, to they are so busy they're being censored and they actually took the time to sit with you, Mike, and talk. We have dinner with with a lawyer from Germany who's got so much stuff he could be doing. He sat and talked with you and uh, Corey, who uh, he was he spoke at Congress when this whole yeah, thing. Ron Johnson's, yeah. Yeah. It, when it was holding started out. Right. And he it was a normal thing. It was they put it on YouTube and he said all the stuff that was wrong with mandates, wrong with um, lockdowns, what the reality of the virus is. And I don't even know if it was up for a month, but they deleted it. They took it off of YouTube. I guess you could see it on Rumble. I watched it as soon as it came out on YouTube. But uh, yeah, it's incredible that they have the time to, uh, to give to you. And that goes to show to me, all right, this is my personal opinion, but I've learned to think a different way. Yeah. This whole process, critical thinking, 
the answers are not going to get spoon fed to us. You have to do your due diligence. When these guys sit and talk with you and they take the time to do so, that goes to show that they're legit, that they're following truth and they know the truth. Because did Dr. Fauci sit and talk with you, Mike? Did he sit and talk with anybody? I know for a fact people have even challenged him to an open floor debate. Yeah. If his science at the CDC science, NIH, if it's all legit, why can't you have a debate? Hey, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a prime time debate. We're gonna talk and we'll show you. But they don't. Yeah. What are they? They're hiding something. So the, look, the truth invites the truth invites that stuff, you know. Like, yes, please come talk to me about it. They invite that. But yeah. liars, liars will always run away from it. Yeah, that's flat out right in front of your face. I don't even know why we have to try to convince people of this. Now, when you have a discussion with somebody who maybe is vaxxed and boosted, um, how do you how do you talk to them? Like, like we already talked about VARES. We already talked about the dangers of the vaccine. A lot of people don't want to hear about it because they're like, I got the vaccine. I'm fine. My grandma got it and she's fine. And they'll say that and they'll write you off. They'll write you off because they don't know what you're talking about. Is Do you have a different approach with people like that? Well, I think one of the, one of the best, I, I don't want this to sound egotistical, but one of the best attributes that I have as a police officer is that my ability to listen and reason, right? It's gotten me out of a lot of bad situations. You know, I work skid row in Los Angeles. And, you know, you have to have a certain sort of mindset and in, in, in approach to the transient population, the mental health crisis that's just plaguing this, this country as a whole. And so being able to talk to people and reason with people and understand people, and 99% of the time, the people that I deal with, they just want to be heard. So if you give them the opportunity to speak, I'll talk you into handcuffs every single time. And it's true. I, I, and I'm old. I don't want to get into fights with anybody anymore, you know? And um, so I'll talk people into handcuffs and I always approach the new guys like that too. See, it's a different sort of, it's a, it's a different sort of policing as a whole across the country because over the last 10, 15 years, you're seeing this sort of demonization again of America's police force, you know, after nine 11, here we are. Can't mess with us. Right. And now we're coming back down and now we've almost, now we're pretty much bottomed out, mm -hmm. right. 20 years later. And so with the demonization and the bastards, you know, all cops are bastard. Um, we're getting the real critical thinking. Good candidates are realizing that it's not worth being a cop in, in America today. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, we're really lucky to still have good cops, but a lot of the cops that are coming out now, it's hard to say if they, if they truly would have held up to the, the scrutiny that there used to be. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of followers, right? The yeah. American education system, especially here in Los Angeles, it's, non, it's an indoctrination camp. You know, American kids have been taught for the last two generations to view their freedoms as selfish. Um, and then, you know, a nation brought up to hate itself won't protect it when the time comes. 
And so we're seeing that with a lot of, a lot of these new guys who are just more so focused on what they need to do or how they can, can they still pay for their 2017 Ford Mustang? Is their mom going to, is their mom going to be upset that they went drinking this weekend and you're coming home at 3 AM? A lot of these guys don't have true life experience and they're not critical thinkers. So what, policing is setting up for the new generation is for everyone to follow decision trees you know did this happen check yes or no and then you follow the decision tree and that's how even sergeants are are being groomed now to follow decision trees so i always try to engage people in a critical manner and i'll say okay well what's your opinion of this or tell me what you know and then we'll talk about it and you know i i I can vividly recall before i was suspended talking to this group of young young guys they're called p2s within the within the lapd we have a, a brand new officers a p1 and sort of like you know the guys with a couple years on their p2s before you become a training officer but a bunch of young p2s and i sat there in in this room with them probably eight of them and i just went over all of the information that i knew <laughs> and then one of them had the audacity to say wow you sound like you know a lot send me an article you know it's like it, it breaks me in here, like send you an article. I've been researching this for the last two, uh, you know, close to two years. And you want me to break everything down and boil it down to one article. Okay. That's when you know, you, you, you know, you kind of lost these guys, but I also, I also take great pride in, in, in with the successes that I've had, you know, and I was, I think of a friend of mine who, you know, we were sitting at, a, at writing a report and she gets up to go leave. And I said, Hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to uh, get the vaccine. And I stopped her and I, and I talked to her for about 10 minutes about what's going on. And she said, Oh, wow. I didn't know any of that. Mm, And and she said, I'm going to wait. And then a week and a half later, she comes up to me and gives me this huge hug. And she goes, I just found out I was pregnant, you know? And it's like, she, she thanked me emphatically for stopping her from getting that because I told her about, you know, the, um, the AstraZeneca trial in, in, in England, where 61 out of 64 women became sterilized. And um, she was just so overjoyed. And she just had the baby, uh, you know, like five months ago. So, you know, I take a lot of, a lot of pride in helping with that. Yeah. If, if anything, if nothing else good comes out of this, that one thing you did right there, Mike, that's, that's it. We could only do what you know, uh, what's in, we can only handle the world that's right in front of us, the people yeah. that are in our lives, you know, the guys you work with, the guys I work with, you know, what's ever going on in Ukraine or in China, it's sort of like an abstract thing. Yeah, we can have feelings for people over there and we could hope for the best, but we got to take care of our own people here in this country, our neighbor, right? Look out for your neighbor. And um, I think that, you know, that right there is a perfect example of of why we are doing this, you know, why we are speaking up because you helped somebody and you know what, who knows if she talked to somebody and changed their mind. So your ripple effect could be way huger than you'll ever know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and when we first started the roll call for freedom, that's how I was kind of equating what we were doing because I always, I, I view the LAPD as the tip of the spear in American policing you know, we are arguably, I mean, you could, you could also argue NYPD, but we're the most famous police department in the world. Yeah. Right. 
So there's always that constant, there's always constant eyes upon us, you know, and, and it's worldwide. And we set the precedent of American policing, uh, whether it's we do something good or whether we do something bad, but either way, people follow and create policy as to what the LAPD does. And so one of the most important things to me was like, well, if we lose, if we bend, if we break, if we don't fight, then it is going to be like throwing a pebble into a pond and it's going to create that ripple effect across American policing where every, you know, crooked democratic mayor, town manager, city council is going to point their finger out West and say, well, the LAPD is doing it to their guys. So we are going to do it to you. And that was for the longest time. I felt such immense pressure myself um, because, you know, the city of LA has 57,000 employees and I was feeling the real pressure of, of representing them and fighting for them, even though they're not, even though they don't want to fight for themselves or they're, or they're, you know, or they, they, they support us in spirit, but can't be there physically. And I, I respect everyone's decisions. You know, that's fine. This is, this is a mantle I chose to take up, you know, and, and the other members chose to take up as well, but, you know, getting back to it, you know, like I'm a big fan of Del Bigtree. Yeah. And um, I saw Del speak at, at an event down in San Diego. And he sort of spoke to something like that that happened in his own life where he was feeling this immense pressure to tell people about the vaccines, to of giving up his Emmy award winning, uh, you know, doctor's show. And, and, and you know, he just kind of came to the realization that I can only do what I can do. I can only control what I can control. And, you know, his speech really spoke to me because I was having a lot of I was having some real struggles um, because we were initially dropped by our first attorney. And I had spent, you know, we were spending the the next six weeks after that searching for another one. Um, And so, yeah, you know, once you come to the realization that you can only control what's inside your your own universe, you know, it alleviates a lot of the pressure on you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes it easier to handle. Yeah. You're not trying to change the world. You're just trying to change your little piece of the world. And, yeah. and, and the best way to do that is to stick to the truth, um, logic, and really just be a good person to people around you. Even, even people. Thing. Yeah. Even people that are being dicks to you, you still yeah. got to be good to them, which is so hard to do. So it's hard to, because I mean, there's such, there's such deep rooted progressivism in this city, yeah. you know, that uh, I've, I, I've been doxxed by Antifa, you know, these, the, the local Antifa guys, they're making complaints to the, to the city about me. They're filing complaints on me and they doxed me and they're, they write these articles, but it's like, you know, you have no idea you fool. I'm still fighting for you. Are you going to be a good Brown shirt through the rest of this ordeal? Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to keep getting your, you know, the booster cards have six lines. Are you going to get all six, you yeah. know, or, or are you going to finally be like, Oh, I'm not feeling so good. And you know, you're talking to your third eye up there and you know, I, it, I can only control what I can control. Are you um, speaking with guys who got the, the first vaccine, maybe got the booster, but they're kind of saying now, like, yeah, I don't think I want to keep getting boosters, man. I, I'm starting to lose faith in this. Are you getting, are you detecting any of that? You know, we have been we had been speaking with uh, with, with a lot of people, and and that was their sentiment. Um, you know, one of this, this woman I was speaking to within our own department, she got the first one, 
and uh, develop Guillain-Barre. Yep, you know? there's a side effect. Yep, you know, and and she, uh, it, it, it broke my heart talking to her because she was, you know, just crying and but you know she's like the whole left side of my body was paralyzed and she was out you know i mean when when the when these manufacturers are indemnified right the city is free of liability now because because they'll come back and say well you voluntarily took that even though you were coerced into it and now you're seeing that that insurance companies aren't paying out because I think it was Indiana insurance company was saying that, you know, their, their, their clients should have known the effects of this experiment, experimental vaccine, and they're listing it as a suicide. So who, who's left holding the bag? Oh my God. Right. That, that's, that's, that's fucked. That's corruption. Yeah. I mean, if you remember uh, about a month and a half ago, this, uh, it was a German insurance company had one of the CEOs came out with the data that they had. Yep. Um, and that guy has since been fired and all oh, that. I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. I was so, wondering, I mean, yeah, he, you know, a 10% rise in deaths yeah. is essentially a once in a lifetime event, but they were seeing a 40%, yeah. 40% raise in adverse effects and deaths. And that is just unheard of. Right. And when, when he extrapolated it across all of Germany, I mean, the, the adverse effects was in the millions. So he got fired, that yeah. guy? Now, yeah. what was his impetus to, to speak on that anyway? Because that was the one thing I was unclear about. Do you know? I don't. I think I, think I remember reading it somewhere that it was just the sheer volume of claims that was coming into that company. They, they went back and, and looked at the data. And I think it was in men from 18 to 44. Yeah, it was showing that gigantic increase. Right. And they said, too, it wasn't because of COVID. These were non-COVID related deaths. They specified right. COVID the virus. Yes. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like heart attacks and all this other stuff. Yeah. And yeah. And that just like everything else that got swallowed up and quieted down quickly. Mm-hmm. But that that uh, audio clip, that video clip made it around. I heard it a half a dozen times. I yeah. heard it a half a dozen times. That was well after Tom Rents, the l- attorney you mentioned, which uh, his last name is R-E-N-Z, Tom Rents. If anybody wants to look him up, probably got to look him up on Rumble or something, but there's video. He still has a website. This is what, oh. His website's still there. Okay, yeah, go to his website, Tom yeah. Rents. And uh, b- before, you know, he, he came out with stuff talking about straight up, he, he has the numbers. He has the numbers of all the injuries and deaths. And he was the one who was saying this. Then the insurance company comes out saying, oh, look at all this data. So there's another if we're building like a layer cake of truth here, that's how it's done. Tom rents with his information. All right. By itself, it's just a little sponge cake. No big deal. Oh, but wait, here comes the insurance company's layer of of truth on top of that. And then the stuff out of the VAERS report on top of that. And it just keeps going and going. And it's a giant size wedding cake at this point of, of layer of truth overlapping things that tells us there is way more to this than what anybody's letting on. Right. And that we got to be putting the brakes on now because this is going way too far. 
Right. But don't forget, you also have that three-year-old child in the corner of the room that's running to smash your cake. Right. So, I mean, the media is that three-year-old child that's running to smash your cake and knock it off the table. Yeah. And that's what we have to contend with, you know, because, you know, it's like that Mark Twain quote, you know, it's easier to fool someone than it is to convince them that they were fooled. And yes. People are, people are holding fast to that, you know, like, you know, you, you, you think of it as the red pill, blue pill or something like that. Right. People just keep taking that blue pill, you know, and it's funny in the very beginning, I was, I was like, man, I wish I, I wish I took the blue pill. You know, I wish I was, yes. I wish I was back in the matrix, just eating that steak that I know doesn't, doesn't have any flavor and it's not really there, but oh, Cypher's life was so good. Yeah. You know, because I felt, I felt the incredible burden of knowledge. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's learning how to deal with that burden of knowledge and what you do with it is, is the most important thing in this fight. Yeah. I think that's actually a, a great, maybe you got to come back on the podcast and we should just do, we should just discuss that topic in of itself. Because a lot of people get overwhelmed with this when they start getting into it. And like you said, they just, they go back to the blue pill. I don't want to know nothing. And they, they just want to feel happy all the time. And, and yeah, it's like when you start digging into this stuff, you, you either commit to it and then you probably walk around half depressed. <laughs> Most of the time, it's not fun. No, I, it's mean, not. I go through, oh, I, I travel on a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I've never been so emotional in my life, but I've never been so clear minded at the same time. So, like I said, maybe that's something that we should, because we're going to run out of time now, but I would, I think you should come back out and talk about it so we can help people. You know, another thing I was even thinking, you mentioned earlier about how a lot of these people are coming out of the woodwork. Now people, you know, who are, you know, maybe, maybe they're, you know, red pill people, they're conservatives, you know, they work hard. They, they go fishing with their family. They do stuff. They do all the good traditional things. They don't have time to go out and protest and right. that's, I don't think that's our people. I think our people just want to carry on with their lives and be left alone. And I feel like maybe there should be some organized thing uh, where I, I, I don't know if I could start it or something, but where we gather people from all around the country, start off with Zoom and we help people uh, maybe make a personal speech as to why mandates are no good. So yeah. that way they have talking points and then they could carry on the fight on their daily and not get bogged down. They have something that they could go to because um, I know everybody wants to step up. They want to do the thing. They're out there. We have to fan that fire, I believe. Yeah. Well, you know, Aristotle once said that that tolerance and apathy are the virtues of a dying society. And I think that's what we're seeing now, the tolerance yeah. of what's happening to us. In all aspects, in, all, in the entire spectrum of, of human existence, we're tolerating so much more now, right? Because we're afraid of being called X, Y, and Z. But apathy, right? Apathy, you see a lot of apathy within the conservative movement. You know, for, for the longest time, conservatives, as I've been saying, especially in California, they've sort of turned their backs inward and they're all facing each other. And they, you know, they, they're clutching to their guns and to their God, right? All the while, progressivism, like a strangling vine, has been encircling us, right? And it's been taking over California. Right. In California, this coming year, 2022, we are seeing it's going to be the most important election, perhaps in the history of our country, 
in California from the governor to the secretary of state, all the way down ticket. The thing that I'm finding out here is that the moms, the moms are doing such a majority of the heavy lifting and God, we wouldn't be anywhere if it weren't for the moms stepping up, you know, and every time I talk to people, every time I go to rallies, you know, number one, I have to thank the moms, but number two, I have to call out where are the strong men in our country? Where are the dads? Right. And we're at the point now where if you aren't, if you won't speak up for your children now, what is going to take you, what is it going to take for you to, to, to speak up for them? You know, you can't be out there, you know, but conversely, you can't also be out there rallying or uh, crying online. Oh, our, our children, but still hiding in the closet, Not. you know? And so that's been the, one of the things that I've been really pressing lately. And, and, and I'm, I've been humbled and I, I've been asked to speak at the defeat the mandates rally this weekend uh, in, in LA. It's the same people that put on the one in DC uh, they're now traveling out here to LA to put one on. And I'll be speaking at that also with the firefighters for freedom as well. Um, but, you know, it's like things like that, you know, each person needs to look at what's happening in our country and treat it like a pyramid scheme. You know, if I go out and I talk to two people, I expect those two people to go out and talk to two people and so on and so forth. Yeah. Because what, 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 what we're doing is it's pretty self-congratulatory when we, when we rally at these, at these things. Yes, it's awesome. It's great to meet your heroes. It's good to see the people that you are familiar with. But once we leave that event, most people just leave it. They don't think about it again. They, yeah. they, you know, they post some pictures on Instagram and, you know, oh, I stand with X, Y, and Z, but our job is to go out there and try to convert the masses. Like, you know, like Christianity did in the, in the beginning, you know, go out and convert the masses, let them yeah. see your way and talk to them with understanding and compassion, but talk to them with conviction because you know what you are right. We are on the right side of history. And at this point, if you can't see what's happening because history always repeats itself, you know, I mean, turning a blind eye right now is like failing an open book test. And, um, so it's just been, it's been really driving me because I have two small children and, uh, you know, I'm taking a stand now so that I can leave a country for them where they'll still be able to, you know, and that's, what's important to me. And, you know, it's, it's been a really arduous journey for me personally, Fred. And, um, you know, it's come at great expense to my, my health, you know, my, my income, my ability to provide and, uh, but I know what I'm doing is what's best. You know, this is never in my life that I imagined I was going to be in this position that I'd be talking to you, you know, right. every day that I get to do something to promote or, or progress this movement is an incredible honor to me. And, and I recognize that. And I wouldn't be here without the help of my other co-founders and without the help of the community as whole. So I'm appreciative of that. And I acknowledge that. And I thank everyone, especially yourself who you're doing your part in spreading the word, you know, everybody has their something. And if we want to move mountains, we have to first start with the, the smallest stones. Right. And, you know, I, I always, you know, I love that stuff, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, you, you plant, <laughs> I, I'm all, I, I always have these little quips, you know, you, you never eat the fruit the day you plant the seed, you know, and it's like, that's what you, that's what you're leaving. You know, I'm, I'm basically, walking around California, like Johnny Appleseed, just, just trying to plant seeds. Yeah. 
Um, and it's been cool. And so, you know, just over the last couple of weeks, I've decided that uh, I'm going to run for the state assembly out here in California. All right. So, you know, like I have to put my money where my mouth is. And one of the, you know, LAPD has core principles, core values that they instilled in us, you know, and one of them is, you know, quality through continuous employment, uh, through <laughs> continuous uh, um, education. But, um, you know, our actions must match our words, right? And if I'm out there telling people to do, to do more, I have to step up and do more myself. So I'll be running for the, uh, as a writing candidate against a democratic incumbent out here in my, in my district. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, well, hopefully it'll turn out well, because the last election, they had that red wave here in New Jersey it really shook things up. It was all the mama bears, yeah. all the mama bears and some of the papa bears came up, but they felt they, and they were hitting the, the board of ed meetings hard, you know? And uh, I think our governor, it's just, just my opinion, but I talk to people and we kind of all have the same feeling. Um, he, he almost lost uh, against the Republican here in democratic New Jersey. And I think it shook him up. The uh, speaker of the house who was like, he was cemented in Sweeney. He was, in, he was, he's been there since I could remember. He got knocked out by a truck driver. I remember. On a That's cheap a budget. Yeah, yeah, it was like $160 he spent on this campaign. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I mean, he just got knocked out, like KO'd. And like people saw that and they were like, oh my God. So I think, I think Murphy, the governor was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, back off a little bit here because I think what they're worried about in the upcoming election is losing senators. You know, yeah. we got Sen uh, Senator Menendez who's been here forever cemented in also took well, he's a criminal as it is anyway. Bob Menendez is such a criminal anyway, oh. you know? Oh, you heard of him. Of course. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he also flew on Epstein's plane, by the way. I don't know if that has I, anything to do with anything. I I'm remember just, I'm just pointing that out. You know, I didn't fly on it. Did you fly on his plane? No, no. I, you know, thankfully he died before I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, your, your buddy uh, Gates also said something similar to that. Well, he's That's dead now. He divorced. That's why the wife divorced him. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, man. It, it, it's right in front of us, Mike. It's right in front of everybody. Listen, you, we got to go. I'm going to wrap it up here with you, but I want to tell you, man, it was a pleasure having you on and listening to you speak. You, I wish you all the luck. I want you to come back on and, and we, I want to do more of this with you. Uh, you say all the right things. You're eloquent. Um, you, you got, you got everything that it takes to be a leader. And I, this is definitely within your wheelhouse. I know you said you never imagined yourself being here, but if we look back on the story of history, that this is what happens. People find themselves all of a sudden in the middle of something they were out farming a field or they were fishing. And next thing they know they're leading like a revolution or something. So this is the way it works. We're not doing anything different than our ancestors, you know, speaking up for protecting our freedom. So I think, I think you're going to be aces when it comes to running for assembly. And um, you know, I wish you all the luck. And in closing, Mike, if you, do you see, any light at the end of the tunnel? Well, I have to see light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I mean, winners don't have a plan B, right? 
And that's how I've been approaching this whole thing. You know, winners don't have a plan B. So I, I yes, I do see light at the end of the tunnel. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, I, ha I have to, I have to keep believing that what we're doing is eventually going to, to dawn on someone, you know, even in our own, our, our own lawsuit that we filed against the city. If one person wins, everyone else does. And we're here to set precedent, right? In right. unprecedented times. So, you know, in closing, I want to thank you for having me on the, on the show. It's been really enjoyable for me. You're really easy to talk to, and I appreciate that. Thank you for what you're doing out East, or actually nationwide, worldwide. So I, I thank you for drawing attention to, to, to you know, little guys like me in, in, in our organization. So, um, you know, I, I encourage everyone to check us out at Roll Call, the number four freedom, uh, and then our backup account. You know, we're hitting the algorithm so hard that I've been, we've been shadow banned since uh, January and, you know, our views are down 94%. So, you know, I'm saying something right <laughs> if, if I'm catching the ire of, of Instagram and whatnot, but yeah, thank you very much. And then if anybody feels like donating to us, we have a give, send, go. Uh, we don't take a dime out of this. It just goes towards all of our uh, legal fees, which are, you know, extraordinary. So it's uh, it's roll call for freedom on give, send, go. All right. That's great. Yeah. I encourage everybody to jump on that and just donate a little bit of money. Remember, if you're a civilian and you know, you're wondering what's going to go on with these mandates. It's all really happening here with what Mike is talking about. Um, the first responders, firefighters, police, EMS, even the people in the military, right? They're, they're being, that's where these big battles are being fought. And if this goes well, it'll go well for everybody else. And, um, you know, donating a little bit of money, even five bucks or whatever you got, just go, go there right now. Roll call for freedom. Send five bucks. Don't forget about the firemen though. Go send them five bucks too. They've got enough money. I, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, the great, the greatest, the greatest sin that a man can ever commit in times of moral crisis is to do nothing because he only felt that he could do a little bit. Right. Yes. I, I would rather have a, a, a thousand people doing just a little than one who says he can't do anything. So I encourage, I encourage everybody seeing this and listening to this, get out and do what you can make a difference, even if it's just a small one. Yes, exactly. And remember, there's no plan B. I like that. <laughs> exactly. All right, Mike, thank you very much, everybody for listening. Thank you very much. Uh, stick with this podcast because there's going to be more stuff like this coming out in the future. Make sure you subscribe and follow and share and make sure that you spread the word, even if it's just to your neighbor or something like that. Let's unify this. Let's bring it to the front and let's really do something good here. Thanks again, everybody. See you at the next one. Thanks, Fred. Thank you, Mike.